0: Hi there, thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur at heart, running my own yoga business and building my personal brand. My goal here is to provide you, the yoga teacher or fitness professional, with interesting, compelling content designed to pique your interest in teaching help you grow as a teacher and support you on your path to sharing this wonderful practice with your students and growing your business along the way. I've been teaching for over 16 years and through my classes, workshops, online courses, books, and other content, I focus on the anatomy of yoga and how teachers can learn this complex subject and present it to their students in an understandable way, all designed to help them bring more impact to their teaching. Even though we're not in the same room, I want you to envision for each episode that we've sat down for tea in a cozy coffee shop. Some days we'll talk about technical teaching topics. Some days we might have a teacher friend join in on the conversation. And other days we'll face some of the personal challenges that definitely come up when we take on the journey of yoga teacher, knowing that the more authentic we can be, the more we can impact others. For more information about my products and programs and to contact me at any time, please visit my website at barebonesyoga.com. Let's get into today's episode. Hi everybody, welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 51. First of all, I wanna wish you all a happy new year. While I'm recording this on December 30th, and it's not quite yet the new year, by the time you hear it, it will be after January 1st. So I hope you had a wonderful holiday season. There is so much that's involved. Even if you do, like I did this year, a low key holiday, it's kind of nice to be done with them, right? It gives us a dedicated time to be grateful And now we can move into the new year and just the energy that is all around that with a refreshed outlook for what's possible in the year ahead. So first of all, I want to share with you a quick note that my 2020 retreat to Costa Rica is filling up and I would love to have you join in. This is a six-day experience in a beautiful resort in Costa Rica. It's in June. And I'll give you the dates. The dates are June 20th through 26, And the retreat center is the Bodhi Tree Yoga Resort. And this is a retreat experience that is really different from what you've experienced before if you're used to going to teacher trainings where you have literally no time for rest and relaxation. This is meant to be a travel experience, a wellness retreat, and a teacher training experience all wrapped up into one. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm gonna give you ample time during the trip to do your own thing, to rest, to swim, to surf, to explore Costa Rica, to just hang out if that's really what your body is calling you to do. And I'm also going to be teaching daily meditation and yoga and then optional workshops every day that if you're a teacher, you'll probably want to take advantage of so that your retreat experience can be really multi-layered and can not only give you you know, time to see Costa Rica, time to Get in some rest, but also to gain some CE, to earn some CEUs, to gain some knowledge, and to really grow as a person. And I know every time I travel, I always grow as a person just from the experience of getting out of my day to day routine, meeting different people, putting myself in a different situation. There is always so much uh, growth that comes out of every single trip that I've taken and I'm super excited about this one because the retreat center is really, really nice. And I don't know about you, um, but I have definitely been in some, you know, different kinds of retreat centers where while I have had some great learning, sometimes the accommodations are not great. And again, those trips really were not about travel. They were really about uh, learning. And so I wanted to do something again that's different, that gives people an opportunity to stay in a really nice place, to have time to do their own thing, and also if you're a yoga teacher to learn. So there are only a few spots left, and I wanna be sure that uh, from a mindset perspective, even though it's not until June, you recognize that you only have until March to sign up. And I can tell you that the people that have signed up already are super excited to already have travel booked in 2020 and this can be really nice to have something to look forward to uh, in in the year when it's only january so 500 dollars is all you need to hold your spot and then you'll have ample time to get the rest of the investment together and so that's another advantage as well it's a quick investment to hold your spot and then you have time to plan for the rest so All you need to do to find out more about that is go to my homepage, barebonesyoga.com, and right there on the homepage is the link to the retreat. And you can check out all the details, beautiful, beautiful pictures. So don't forget to take a moment and check that out. Now, I also want to let you know that if you're listening and you're not on my anatomy Facebook group or in that, I definitely want you to be in there too. It's a wonderful compliment to this podcast because I'm always posting things about anatomy, different lessons, videos. I do a lot of Facebook Lives in there. So for that as well, just go to my homepage and you'll see the link for the Bare Bones Yoga Anatomy work group. And you can click the link to join. And then it's a great way to use Facebook for a little bit of education and um, just some fun stuff about anatomy. Now, I love, love to hear from people when they're listening to the podcast. So if you're listening on your iPhone or your Android device, just take a picture of you listening, not of you personally, but you can just take a picture of the the screenshot of the podcast on your phone and then tag me on Instagram, Bare Bones Yoga, and I'll include you in the next podcast just to shout out to you. Uh, any comments you have about it, you can leave a review. I would love to just hear from people what they're thinking uh, about particular episodes. So if you can, and you'd like to, just send me a fun note. Send me a fun screenshot or maybe a fun comment on social media about what you think about this latest episode. So I want you to think here um, for a moment about when you, I'm going to kind of transition here. Uh, to the topic, I want you to think about when you made a commitment to yourself to do something and you followed through. So let's say you went to bed at night and you had a commitment to yourself to go take a yoga class in the morning and then you went and took that yoga class. How did that make you feel? right? Not only just that you set the intention to do it, but that you did it, right? What about when you made a promise to yourself to do something and you didn't do it? So let's say, you um really didn't want to use your credit card for a particular purchase but you saw something and you impulsively purchased it how did that make you feel right so that's just something to kind of think about um what about when you use someone else's wording of something or hijacked their perspective and presented it as your own how did that make you feel What if you said you would do something or be somewhere and you just didn't show up? How did you feel then, right? So these are all just different examples just to kind of get your thoughts flowing on this. Um, So all of these things that I'm presenting are different scenarios that I want to kind of categorize under the concept of integrity. And so for today's episode, I thought I would start out with a theme called teacher integrity. And this is a really good time to cover something like this because it's the beginning of the year. And honestly, what better time to set up some new standards for yourself than the beginning of the year? Now, I actually don't love calling them standards because then it sounds like guidelines and I don't really love those either. That sounds kind of rigid. So what I'm trying to say is that I'd rather focus on this as a discussion of a way of being or a way of carrying yourself or conducting yourself that will not only give you a sense of empowerment and intentionality, but will also help you grow a strong reputation as a teacher for being a go-to resource for your students, your colleagues, your clients your business contacts and anyone that you work with in the studios where you teach. And honestly, who doesn't wanna be thought of in that way? right? No one wants to be thought of as a teacher that can't be depended upon, that always leaves the studio a mess, that doesn't show up on time, all these kinds of things. That certainly wouldn't be something that you would strive for. Now, even if those are some things that have come up here and again in your life, in your professional career, There's always a difference between if you intended them to happen, if you were just kind of lazy about it, you know, there's always another angle to it. But just in general, I think we'd all agree that we'd all like to be teachers that are known for having a strong sense of integrity. And additionally, when you think about some of those earlier examples I gave you, having integrity is really first and foremost about how you feel about yourself. And secondly, about how you come across to others, and having a strong sense of personal integrity is what helps you go forward in your life. It's what helps you um, finish what you started. It what it's what helps you uh, meet goals that you've set for yourself, and really see progress in your life. It's when we don't have integrity that we tend to procrastinate, that we tend to, you know, kind of not get things done, and and oftentimes. Complain a lot about the lack of things we want in our life that we don't have. So, for this discussion, you know, as we go further, I'm going to refer to a really wonderful book called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And if you haven't read it yet, definitely pick it up. It was published way back in 1997, <clears throat> and it's based on ancient Toltec wisdom, which comes from southern Mexico. But the approach in it absolutely still applies today. And I remember the first time I read it, which was well over 15 years ago, I couldn't believe how applicable it was then. And with everything going on in the world today, and especially with social media and you know all of this, what I was talking about before in terms of presenting someone's perspective as your own, I mean, there is so much about that that happens because so much of our ways of thinking can be shaped by what we see online. And so even reading this book today in 2020, it has huge impact on how we can live our life today, even in today's culture, which of course was very different than what it was like when Don Miguel Ruiz wrote the book. So let's start out with what I mean by teacher integrity. Now, when I say this, What I mean, and I talked about it a little before, can you be dependent upon to do what you say, say what you do, and do you hold yourself in a professional way? Are you a resource who supports others without gossiping? Are you a teacher who supports students without judgment? Are you a teacher who can be dependent upon to go the extra mile? So these are all qualities of integrity. And when you look up integrity in the dictionary, it refers to the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, being sound in construction, which I'd refer to as an internal state more than a physical state. Although I will say, I do often use the concept of integrity when I talk about poses. So when I teach anatomy, Uh, I oftentimes refer to when a posture lacks integrity, it's often something where you see people sitting in their joints, for instance, or there isn't good alignment, or it's a student who's not very self-aware, lacks a certain sense of coordination and proprioception. So I feel as if integrity can refer to the physical structure of someone in the context of a yoga pose. Here though, we're talking about it more in the context of an inner state and a way of being a way that you carry yourself. So I wanna give you a quick review of what the four agreements are, because even if you've read the book, oftentimes you forget there's only four, but sometimes you forget what they are. So the first one is be impeccable with your word. The second one is don't take anything personally. The third one is don't make assumptions. And the fourth one is always be your best or always do your best. And he caveats that by saying your best may change from day to day, but as long as you're doing your best, that's the best you can do. And that's being of integrity. That's that's holding that agreement with yourself. Now, if you've read the book, you have a sense of how each one of these is described further. In either case, they actually all apply wonderfully to teaching and also to this concept of being a teacher with integrity. So I'm not gonna go into them just in the abstract as they're presented in the book. Let me actually share with you a few thoughts about qualities we can build as a teacher so that we have strong integrity and I'll integrate some of the concepts from the four agreements as I go through them. So the first one is being on time. And again, I want to start out as I go through this list, I don't want this to sound like a supervisor talking to you or kind of a punitive conversation. I want to just have you kind of open your mind and hear these ideas and see if you, you know, number one, be aware if you are reacting to what you're hearing and Number two, if you are reacting, or even if you're not, if you can just kind of stay open rather than hearing them through the lens uh, of, or seeing them and and processing them through the lens of someone giving you kind of constructive feedback in a supervisory standpoint. Because I think sometimes the way the list sounds, it can come across that way. I want you to focus on this from the perspective of building integrity, almost like a muscle right? Like building it as a way of being that is a muscle that you need to develop just like you would develop any other muscle in your body. So this first one, being on time, right? So being on time means being on time for whatever it is you're doing, respecting the time of people there, uh, anyone you work with, um, giving yourself lead time so that when you arrive, you have time to get yourself set up to do what you're going to do, which in the context, I mean, these are all, I'm presenting them to you in the context of teaching yoga. So think about if you have a full-time job and you need to get to class, uh, giving yourself enough time to do that. And then additionally, giving yourself time to really physically and mentally get in a place where you are able to teach. You know, I oftentimes think about, when you get on a plane and they say, if you are traveling with a small child, put your oxygen mask on first before you try to assist your child. And, you know, I mean, I don't have children, but I teach children's yoga. And I can certainly tell you before I go in to teach a children's yoga class, I make sure that I have gone to the bathroom, washed my hands, had something to eat in a reasonable period of time. You know, um, I've done what I need to do so that, When I walk into that room and I have 10 to 15 kids and I teach as young as preschool all the way up to preteen, I can 100% be there for them. And I often think about that as well when I go to teach adult classes. When I go into the studio, I have to be sure that I am ready to go. And if the studio has a space for me to spend in quiet, I really, really appreciate that because oftentimes, just the process of coming into the studio, I usually walk everywhere. So depending on the weather, it can sometimes be a little stressful to get there. Just having five to 10 minutes to take your coat off, you know, kind of get in the physical and mental state ready to be of service is really, really important to me. And I actually struggle when I teach in places where I don't have a private space To do that, right? And even, I think I've mentioned this on another podcast, even if I'm just kind of scrolling through my phone, I'm kind of just bringing my body into a place where I'm a little bit more steady and ready to go. And so I encourage you, too, to listen to your inner rhythms and really be honest with yourself about what do you need so that you can be on time? What do you need to do? What do you need to shift in your schedule so that you can really be someone in integrity along this um, idea of being on time and then also going along with that, being really ready to do what you need to do in a way that allows you to be of massive service to the people that are coming to take your class. The next one is caring for the class you're teaching no matter what, no matter what. And that means, you know, let's say you're going to teach your regular class and it's a holiday. Um, you know, one of those holidays where studios are open and the class is really small and it's normally a class where you have a lot of people. You might go into the room or look at the check-in list and be disappointed that there are less than five people coming to your class. How do you handle that? How do you handle your energy? How do you handle your way of being so that you can carry yourself in such a way That is no different from when you walk into a class and there's 15 to 20 people or some other number. You know, I kind of don't like to get hung up on actual numbers because I think that can kind of make us focus on the wrong thing. Although I do think, you know, for many of us, there is a reality to the numbers because our reimbursement, our payment per class can be tied to the numbers. And I also am perfectly honest in acknowledging that there is energetically a bit of a downer feeling when you're teaching a class and there's only a couple people and you normally have more people. However, how can you reframe that so that you can harness this amazing opportunity to build a deeper connection with the people who are there? So first of all, what I usually do myself is I connect to gratitude for the people who showed up. I also connect to this feeling of, oh my goodness, this person took time out of their day to come to this class, they must really need to be here. And I, that for me really helps me tap into my role of being of service so that it completely reframes that it's a small class to, oh my God, I really can be of help. To the people who are here they really need to be here and i have something that they want to to hear to participate in right and then this other thing which really helps me reframe it is i usually walk into the room and i say something like i am so excited that we have a small group this will give you an opportunity to learn whatever you want to learn so tell me what do you want to learn and Believe it or not, many times the people in the class will be so surprised that they're being asked that, that they'll be tongue tied. They'll be like, I don't know, just do whatever you're gonna do. But other times I've had students say, I wanna learn crow. I have some questions about high low push up. I've had some students say, hey, you know what? Nothing's coming to mind now, but can I ask them questions as we're moving around? Absolutely. So again, it's a reframe. It's a way to look at a situation through a different lens, in a different way that can really shift your energy around an experience that you might, you know, kind of have some negative feelings about. And that is a wonderful way to build your integrity muscle because it can help you Build your relationship with those students. It can help you build your teaching skills because you've got essentially a private or semi-private opportunity to work with someone one-on-one or in a semi-private type scenario with two or three people. So it's a wonderful way to build your integrity in that way. And also just, you know, stepping up when a lot of other teachers might get caught up in that negative spiral of what. The numbers are and and just all of that perception that's around how many people are coming to your class. So that's that one. The next thing about acting and in integrity is knowing when you're out of your league when it comes to taking on a teaching opportunity. And this really has to do with, you know, let's say that you're hearing, uh, let's say you get contacted by someone to to teach a private session and it's someone that has some kind of physical uh, challenge. Maybe it's an older person. Maybe it's someone with some kind of neurological issue or some kind of um, disability, so, something. And you're, you really need the money <clears throat> and you really want to do it, but you're not really sure you're able to teach somebody that has a maybe let's say a physical or cognitive restriction of some kind and you take it anyway. And then you go and you realize in this let's say it's a private session you know you realize you are just really out of your league it's just way above your head um that would be a scenario where you're acting out in my opinion where you're acting out of integrity because you knew when you heard about the opportunity it really wasn't for you but you were focused more on the uh payment aspect of it and maybe that feeling that oh if i don't take this something else isn't going to come along And so that was really what was driving you, rather than an honest assessment of what you're able to do at this point. Now, having said all that, it can be a great opportunity for learning. However, it's not a great idea to use a a potential client or class, studio class, whatever it is, as a way to leverage your learning in that way, or to learn in that way. You know, certainly in the context of teaching group classes, We're all learning as we're doing. We're building our experience because we are teaching. I think you kind of know what I mean here, right? I don't want to kind of totally have to break it down. I think you kind of get what I'm saying. I'm making the distinction between, and especially if it's a one-on-one situation, it's just you and that person. There really is no buffer. You have to be able to step up and do what it is you're presenting yourself as able to, able to do. So what this really just means is you're going to make an honest evaluation of your skill set uh, and whatever opportunities you hear about. And if you feel there's a gap, but yet you still want to do it, even if you decline, it's a great opportunity for you to go out and seek the information you need in order to fill that gap. So the next time something comes up in that area you'll have the skills necessary to take it on. Okay, so the next one is having a strong sense of ownership for your class. <clears throat> so I remember um, recently <clears throat> in my last session with some teachers that were part of a teacher training, one of the teachers asked me about, um, she said something along the lines of, I hear that it's really hard to find work when you graduate from teacher training, you know, can you tell me if that's true? And so I got into a little bit of a discussion about just the numbers right the numbers of yoga teachers versus the number of classes and just that my perception of the dynamic is that once you get a class as a teacher. You really work to keep that class because you know that if you don't keep that class there probably are quite a few yoga teachers who are available to teach that that would take that regular slot if you're unable to do it and so I think that is definitely, at least here in the Boston area, part of the dynamic of, or the landscape of the teaching industry, the yoga teaching industry. However, I think that there's something, what I'm trying to talk about, what I want to talk about here is a little different than that. You know, yes, that is, I guess, in a way ownership, but what I'm really talking about here is, when you have a class on the teaching schedule. So here I'm talking about studio classes, although I could be talking about, this could also refer to corporate classes or even I teach children cl- children's classes, even that. Having a really strong ownership, like this is your class. You, you know, again, show up, showing up on time, you know, caring for the students who show up, getting to know the students, being available after class, before class, for questions setting up the room all, you know the the all of what's involved in setting up the room the props and where things are for people and the temperature and the lighting and the shades and all of it right it's all part of you taking ownership of your class not depending on anybody else to do it you have your own way and i will tell you there are some <laughs> There are some little quirky things that I do that I am pretty sure other yoga teachers don't do that I do because I take really strong ownership for all my classes. And um, I won't go into some of them. I think some of them are probably invisible to most people. although I, you know, I will just say it's very much, I take very strong ownership of the temperature and I know a couple other teachers who do the same and I notice when I go into the studio and I see them setting up before they teach and I, I notice things that are different from me and I really like that because I think that that shows a high level of commitment and ownership of class in a way, like let's make the analogy to you're having people over for dinner, and you, these are really good friends and you're setting up the, the house and the dinner table and you're preparing the food and you're, you're setting the table, it's the same thing, right? It's the same thing. People are coming to take your class. You, It's your class on the schedule. Having an ownership for that class shows a high degree of care for the people who are coming to take it. Okay, so that's that one. Um, The next one is kind of related. It's this idea of really being diligent about subbing out your class, getting coverage, following up on all the details involved in subbing your class. You know, just this idea of when you have ownership that it is your class, it goes hand in hand that you're going to teach your class pretty much come hell or high water. Right? You know, you are going to need to be really sick to not go to that class you're going to need to have some major traffic issue problem that prevents you from getting there. You know, you're not going to sub out that class because you want to stay on your vacation an extra day or you wake up and you decide, you know what, my stomach's a little queasy or my throat's a little scratchy. I'm not saying go teach your class when you're sick, but I'm saying only you really know when you're truly too sick to teach. And in my estimation, there are probably many teachers who don't show up to teach their class who probably are okay to teach their class or who probably have, you know, reasons that they've given that really aren't reasons that would prevent them from teaching the class. They just don't want to teach the class. And when I talk about having ownership of your class, that's what goes part and parcel with that, right? And again, I really, I'm kind of getting the ick as I'm listening to myself. I really don't want this to come across like a supervisory thing. I really want you to stay open and hear this and feel like, yeah, you know what? I hear what you're saying. And, And think about how you carry yourself because I promise you friends, if you are a teacher who consistently shows up to teach your class, you will build a strong reputation in the studios that you teach. And that reputation will help you in the event that someone passes away unexpectedly and you need at the last minute to not be there, or you have that completely unexpected traffic problem and you can't get to class. You will have built up such goodwill and such good reputation with your studios that you work with that they will understand. And and that's just part of I mean, reputation kind of sounds a little different, but building integrity. And again, it's not just about the external people. It's about you, because I know that if I could have gone to teach my class and just kind of was like, eh, I'd rather stay skiing or, eh, I just don't really feel like it, I would feel like crap. And I wouldn't really be able to look at myself in the mirror the next day and not know that I hadn't. Given up on those people that came to teach that, came to take that class. So it's really all of this stuff that I'm talking about is really about you. But the really cool thing is when you build this muscle and it becomes second nature, as a result, you build a strong reputation. You get known to be someone who can be depended upon. And that helps you grow as a teacher and grow your business. So it has absolute direct impact on the opportunities you get the growing of your classes, all of it. So it's not just about the showing up in the, in the, in the moment. And then all the other things, I just want to say all the other things about the communication. So you get the sub and then you got to get back to the studio and tell them who's covering and be timely about it. And, you know, and then when you're getting requests from people, Hey, can someone cover, getting back to them on time, all of that stuff, right? Because you don't want to be the person who asks for a sub and, know, and there's radio silence. You want to be the person who responds right away, whether or not you can do it, so that when you need to ask, the same thing happens for you. Um, the next one is taking responsibility for your own ongoing learning and being open to ways of learning that are outside the traditional path. This is a big one because once you graduate from your 200-hour training, it's really kind of you're out there. And this is one of my um, concerns about the yoga industry is that, you know, the industry is really good in cropping up tons and tons of 200-hour training, but it's not super great with supporting teachers once they are teaching. And that's really where it all starts to come together. You can sit in a room for six months and learn about teaching, but until you get out there and start doing it, you're really not gonna realize what kind of gaps you have. And when you start teaching and building that experience, which is so important, you're going to start to realize the things that you didn't retain and the things that you just don't know. And it's really on you as a teacher to build your own learning path. And more and more these days, I, I really, you know, and this, a lot of it comes from how I look at the yoga industry. I think differently from a lot of people in that I'm really looking at it through the lens of it's just one way to receive information that you need as a yoga teacher. There is, A strong push to kind of stay within the confines of the Yoga Alliance process, but that's not the only way that you can learn. And in fact, staying in those confines oftentimes limits teachers to other ways of learning and other avenues and other resources that might actually be better for them. Um, But oftentimes, you know, whether it's how we, you know, kind of went through our elementary school education to our college education, you know, we're kind of groomed in this way to follow the path, to go the way everybody else is going when it comes to learning. And the really cool thing right now is that there are so many other ways to learn outside traditional learning paths. And part of my concern for for yoga teachers is that Everyone has kind of been so indoctrinated into going the way of 200 hour trainings, 300 hour trainings, 500 hour trainings. And, you know, in a lot of cases, teachers are still coming out of those trainings with huge knowledge gaps. And it's like, well, why is that? And, you know, again, that's probably a whole other conversation on a different episode. But I just want to bring that up so you start to really question, where are you spending your dollars for education? What specific things do you hope to learn from a training you're going to? And what do you really need as a teacher to help you grow? And a lot of times it's not just looking at, you know, a particular agenda from a teacher training program and saying, yeah, some of that stuff looks like things I need to know. The other stuff, not so much. Like that should not be how it is it should be this absolutely is something that's going to help me grow. And so along with that idea, just this overall idea of really being I mean I, I actually want to say relentless, really being relentless relentless around your investment in your own learning because I promise you if you want to build your impact as a teacher, you are going to need to be the person to build your own continuing education. No one is going to do that for you. Once you get your 200 hour, which right now is really what studios use as the stamp of approval to hire you. Outside of that, it's really up to you. And being an integrity along this score really means that you're going to need to do what you need to do to fill in the gaps rather than going into your classes and just kind of flubbing it. Right. Um, Okay, so the next one is taking responsibility. This kind of goes along with it. Taking responsibility for what you know and don't know versus saying that was how I was taught. Oh my god, this is this is one of the ones that really really irks me. When I talk to a teacher and I it's in the context of a of a workshop I'm doing perhaps or a teacher training and this is someone who already has gone through a 200-hour training And we're talking about a particular approach to a posture, maybe alignment-wise. And the person says, well, this is just how I was taught in answer to my question about why do you teach it that way? And this is such a deferential thing. It's basically saying, I don't really know why I teach it this way other than someone just told me this and I'm just regurgitating it. That lacks any ownership on the part of the teacher who is teaching. Right. And so, yes, there absolutely is a passing on of knowledge from mentor to student. But in that exchange of information, there has to be ownership on the part of the student teacher to receive that information, to ask questions that they don't understand. And then as you continue to grow your experience, to think critically about how you've been taught and whether or not that really is serving you and serving the students that you're working with i'll give you a perfect example um i was taught to always start students in child's pose the more i taught through the lens of anatomy i decided for the most part that didn't make sense to me from an anatomical or energetic perspective for most of the people coming to my classes because it put them in a hunched over position And while it was grounding, it was internal rotation of the shoulders, hunching forward, weight on the upper body, i.e. shoulders, elbows, and wrists. And to me, that made absolutely no sense. I would much rather, keeping in mind that people are hunched over all the day anyway, start people on their back. Start people on their back, arms by their sides, palms supinated, open through the front line of the body, able to breathe with a tremendous amount, more ease than if they're in child's pose. Now, does that mean I never start people in child's pose? No. But if someone were to ask me, hey, how come your classes generally start with people on the back and all these other classes I go to start with child's pose? I could say exactly what I just said to you before because I've integrated what I know and I've changed what I do based on my own approach. And this absolutely comes with experience. So I don't want you to hear this if you're just starting your teaching journey and feel like you have to change everything that you were taught. What I'm saying is don't abdicate responsibility for what you're teaching to whoever taught you. Even if at this point in your career, that's all you know is what you were taught, that's still okay make sure that you're presenting things that you absolutely know why you're presenting them. And you have, at least for right now, a reason for doing it. And just in general, take ownership of what you're doing so that you never come across as someone who's just doing what someone else taught them. I mean, that's obvious. We all know whether we're learning violin or learning how to teach yoga, we learn from somebody else. Right? We learn from somebody with more experience than us. It's just a matter of do you hold yourself in that relationship as a student or do you hold yourself in that relationship as a colleague who's learning from someone more experienced and you're now gonna go out on your own path and develop your own you know, path as a teacher. Um, so that kind of brings us full circle, right? So we've covered a whole bunch of stuff Um, All these different ideas around building your integrity as a teacher and one of the things I talked about was this idea of Being open to other ways of learning and this is a perfect lead-in to what I want to talk to you about now so here we are in the beginning of January and between January 1st and January 11th if you haven't heard already I am opening up my um, annual mentorship program and this is a highly exclusive opportunity it's by application only and it's only open only has four slots open for teachers and this is an opportunity for you to work with me one-on-one in an annual member uh, mentorship program which is over 12 months or over six months and through this one-on-one coaching experience which includes both virtual mentorship through Zoom video conference call, as well as an in-person experience here in Boston, as well as a stipend to attend my Costa Rica retreat, meaning I'm going to give you money to put towards the retreat. Through all of those things, you're going to work with me one-on-one. I'm going to help you build your teaching skills. I'm going to help you build your business as a yoga teacher. And this is gonna be the one-on-one experience that so many teachers need and never get an opportunity to have. And this can absolutely be a game changer for teachers on so many levels. The level of confidence that you have, the level of knowledge that you have, building your business and helping you define where do you see teaching fitting into your life? Do you see yourself being someone who wants to teach as a full-time career like me? Do you see yourself wanting to do it on the side? And even with that arrangement, you really want to develop your skills beyond where they are now. So there's a lot to this. And, you know, this if this is the first time you're hearing this, you may be like, "Oh my God, I can't even imagine what would be involved." So, I want to let you know that I've written out a one-page invitation or outline of the program, and so I'm going to include the link to that uh, on this episode. And if, for whatever reason, you're walking around and you don't, you know, you don't have time, or you know, but you are interested, just send me a DM. Or go on Instagram and send me a DM on Instagram, Barebones Yoga. Or just send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com. And I'll send you the link for the description, the program description. Understand, though, that you only have between January 1st and January 11th to apply. Uh, and if your application is accepted, I'm going to be notifying the four teachers who are accepted in the program on January 15th it's a yearly program, or if you want to do the mini mentorship, it's six months. And I will tell you as part of the mentorship program, because I know part of it has to be in person, I'm gonna do a one day experience here in Boston. You'll get yourself here, but once you get here, we'll do a spa day, we'll do uh, in-person teaching, uh, skill development, We'll have lunch, we'll have dinner, it'll be a really, really nice day. And then of course, the in-person experience as well, you'll get through coming to the Costa Rica June retreat and you're gonna get a stipend, meaning I'm gonna give you some money to help you defray the cost of that trip. So this is really, really a game changer. And then additionally, I'm also gonna give you my entire 10 module course, online course, uh, as part of a bonus. Uh, for this, for enrolling in this mentorship program. So this is really a comprehensive program filled with a lot of things you're getting uh, as bonuses that increases the value of of the program beyond what you're going to pay. So uh, what I want you to do, if you're hearing this and you're like, wow, this really sounds like something that I want to take advantage of, uh, send me an email, Karen at barebonesjoga.com go on Instagram, Yoga. DM me there. I'll take care of getting you the link so you don't have to search around for it. So we've reached the end of the podcast. I really want to thank you for listening today. This has been like such a heartfelt conversation for me and I really want to know what you think. So don't forget to comment. Uh, let me know what you think. And I want to wish you all the best in the new year. Thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you soon. Namaste.